Hi everyone, I'm Rosemarie Miller here with Stephen Ehrlich, the Director of Digital Assets here at Forbes, here to give us a 2023 wrap-up of crypto and things we can look out for in 2024. Thank you so much for joining me today, Steve. Yeah, thanks, Rosemary. Absolutely. So, Steve, with Sam bankman fried in jail in uh, Chengping Zhao of Binance, he's ousted now, what, what can we expect in 2024? It's it's an interesting question because I, I think if you ask a, a lot of uh, enthusiasts in the industry, I, I, they would like us to kind of forget that Sam Bankman-Fried FTX sort of ever happened. Uh, the the, the month-long trial in October um, in which he was convicted on multiple counts of fraud um, was a, a cruel reminder to, to some of them, but um, they're anxious now to kind of turn the page. And, and then again with uh, Binance, uh, their CEO, Chang Peng Zhao, as he said, um, he pled guilty um, the company pled guilty to to um, violating various um, statutes of the Bank Secrecy Act. They're going to be paying a record $4.3 billion fine to a suite of U.S. regulatory agencies. And it appears that CZ, um, who Zhao is, is more commonly known as, is going to spend perhaps up to 18 months in prison himself. Um, that's a far cry from the 100-plus year sentence that Sam McMurphy might be looking at. But uh, it appears that at least for 18 months, uh, those two individuals will be very much out of sight and again for the for crypto enthusiasts hopefully out of mind um mm -hmm. what does that mean for the industry as a whole uh it's it's difficult to say there there is a broad hope or expectation that sort of now that these sort of wild rest wild west uh, rogue elements are gone that like the regulatory compliance uh, cavalry is going to write in they point to the expected approval of multiple spot Bitcoin ETFs, which we've spoken about multiple times, Rosemary, uh, that could be, happen as soon as January 10th, where blue chip firms like BlackRock, Fidelity, Invesco, Vanek, um, billions and trillions in assets will um, be able to offer an easy on-ramp for anyone to get exposure to crypto from the brokerage account. Um, mm -hmm. But, and, but and that's just... let me stop you right there, Steve. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of traditional finance you just named. Is mm -hmm. crypto kind of leaning on traditional finance to stand these days? A little bit, and and I'm kind of glad you, you you went into that. I actually just finished um, working on a on a report that I'm going to send out to subscribers of my research service for Crypto Asset and Blockchain Advisor. And one of the things that I looked at is uh, it's this metric known as market dominance, the the crypto market cap. Um, basically looking at the total value of the crypto market cap, which uh, as, at least as of today is about $1.5, $1.6 trillion. Uh, of that, Bitcoin and Ether is at the highest level that it has been basically since 2017, um, right before the ICO craze started out. And, and that, what that basically means is that there's a lot of focus, especially for this coming year, on Bitcoin and Ether and some of the more um, side projects um, like ICOs and, and NFTs and, and DeFi and so on and so forth, they're not going away, but they're not nearly as important as they were uh, perhaps a couple of years ago or during the COVID-driven uh, uh, stimulus where everything went up across all asset classes. So one of the things that I'm really looking forward to or really looking to watch going into 2024 is really kind of like what does... Uh, what does the approval of spot Bitcoin ETFs mean for the development of the Bitcoin ecosystem as a whole? Um, there is sort of this perception out there that Bitcoin is this like stayed um, uh, uh, payment system without a lot of innovation, without a lot of functionality. And, and that really is not the case. Um, there are multiple 
uh, networks being built on top of Bitcoin to help make payments faster and cheaper than just the Bitcoin network itself. Um, there are projects such as Stacks that are trying to bring smart contract composability onto Bitcoin. I know that's a mouthful, but what that kind of means is that some of the projects, um, decentralized applications that we see on Ethereum and Solana and other blockchains themselves um, might have a way to be put on top of Bitcoin. So putting that square peg into a round hole, trying to find a way to make that fit. Uh, there are now NFTs on top of Bitcoin, which is not something that many people thought was possible years ago. So th there's a lot of there's a lot of other elements to Bitcoin that I'm I, I'm anticipating are going to sort of sprout up, especially as more regulated institutions go into go into Bitcoin. Uh, related to your other question, though, about just like are we going to ride the coattails of Wall Street and, and what does all that mean um, for for Bitcoin and crypto in general? I, I think. There's a little bit of that, and I, I think Rosemary, we spoke about that to some degree when we talked about tokenization a few weeks ago. But I also believe that aside from these ETFs, the other real thing that people want to see is clarity, regulatory clarity in the U.S. Um, and, and that's in the form of legislation coming out of Congress that kind of helps set the rules of the road for crypto projects, um, in particular determining which federal regulator, the CFTC or SEC, has primacy over digital assets. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I've spoken with numerous people in Congress and, and congressional watchers across both sides of the aisle. And um, I mean, aside from the fact that Congress is having trouble to pass, passing anything right now, uh, crypto seems to be a non-starter, if nothing else, because the, the chair of the Senate Banking Committee, Sheriff Brown, um, just does not seem to be interested in doing anything related to crypto. So uh, my long, um, answer short, I, I'm anticipating a, a big surge in Bitcoin, uh, a, a follow-on surge in, in Ethereum, and just a lot of activity trying to, uh, a lot of activity around, the, around these ecosystems to try to add more functionality. And once upon a time, we all heard about Web3 nonstop. This was mainly when NFTs were booming. So are we going to start hearing more mm -hmm. about Web3, blockchain, NFTs? Is that coming up in 2024? So uh, I'm glad you brought this up because Web3 can mean a lot of different things to, to a lot of different people, kind of like a Rorschach test, uh, like crypto in general. Uh, I think of it as a couple of, in a couple of ways. I mean, for one, Web3 is very commonly thought of as this immersive, interactive internet, virtual reality, metaverse, what have you. Uh, another definition sort of kind of takes an extension from, from Web2 and, and creating a more uh, I guess a, a more equitable internet where people have more control over their personal data, their ownership of digital assets, and they are the ones that can kind of dictate who has access to what, for when, and under what conditions. Uh, and and one three in particular, I think, is is very much associated with NFTs, and and some of that has fallen a little bit out of favor, especially as the the, the bear market really kind of dug its teeth in. Uh, NFTs are actually starting to start a life a little bit just in the last month or two, but but they're still well behind Bitcoin, Ether, and some of the other major alternative um, currencies or alternative cryptos out there like Solana and Avalanche. Uh, I, I do think we're going to see more excitement um, towards that, especially around gaming, where there seems to be a, a like a an easy use case, an easy um, marketing pitch for people to be able to own digital assets, weapons, or clothing, or whatever in, in, in games. But I, I think there's still a big gap that needs to be crossed between sort of like what Web3 might look like at maturity and sort of the embryonic stages uh, in, in which it resides now.
Mm. Well, is there anything else on your radar regarding crypto in 2024 that you believe should be on ours? So there's two other uh, items that I'm really paying attention to as we move into 2024. One is going to be the fate of the stablecoin industry. Um, as we've spoken about before, Rosemary, the stablecoin industry or stablecoins are essentially digital replicas of, of some underlying asset that reside on top of blockchains, most commonly the US dollar. It's about $130 billion industry right now. And the vast majority of it is dominated by, by a single company called Tether, uh, whose sort of regulatory track record um, leaves something to desi- something to be desired. And that's putting it pretty, pretty mildly. They've never been audited. And, uh, and I, there's a lot of momentum, especially in Congress and at the Treasury Department, to try to find a way to get more oversight over this, over this company, uh, especially because now that FTX is down, uh, Binance is, uh, is, uh, has agreed to a compliance or monitoring agreement for the next five years and likely will, will become, uh, I think, a shell of, of what it once was. Tether is sort of seen as the 800-pound gorilla in the room that uh, is, is mission critical for, for crypto, but there's still some important questions that need to be asked about that. And, and sort of the fate of what happens to Tether is, is going to sort of lean into what happens with privately issued stable coins in general. Congress right now is working on a bill to, to sort of figure out um, whether banks or, or non-bank regulated, uh, non-bank but still regulated financial entities can issue stable coins and, and how might all that dovetail with uh, federally issued central bank digital currencies that get, that's, get sent right from central banks by, by fiat. So how all that's going to fit because that will impact um, certain tokenization projects that, that uh, regulated companies run on top of blockchain, as well as um, the fact that stablecoins provide necessary liquidity for crypto trading. So that that's one thing. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm very excited to watch. Uh, the other point that I, I kind of want to is something I think a little bit less on people's radars, but I think it's important. Um, one of the reasons why I, I think as much as there was a crackdown in Washington and other capitals surrounding the collapse of FTX and, and the crypto collapse, it wasn't as bad as perhaps it could have been was because this industry was still relatively air gapped from the broader financial uh the broader financial community yes stable coins are a big link they were then they're bigger now but there is a growing trend with with mica a landmark piece of legislation in the in the eu um, with a proposed market structure bill here in the us and i know that there's a lot of exchanges and marketplaces out there that are trying to find a way to let people buy and sell Bitcoin and shares of Apple or any other stock all in one platform, using one as collateral to take out um, to take out loans for another, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's going to increase the linkages between crypto and traditional finance. Um, this is a good thing because, in, in one sense, maybe it helps provide like a a, a degree of of reliability and uh, acceptability towards this. Uh, towards this industry, but at the same point, if things go awry, it means that there's going to be a lot more ways for the traditional financial sector to be impacted by what happens in crypto. And, and that's, I guess, for, for, for better or for worse. So I'm really curious to see how this develops and what questions come out from, from regulators, because uh, as much as many crypto enthusiasts on the Hill in, in Washington and around the world want to see this happen, there are still important questions that need to be asked. Thank you so much for joining me today, Steve. Thanks, Rosemary.